Hey, you guys, I want to let you know about Book of the Month, an exciting service that helps readers discover great new books while also promoting the work of emerging authors. Every month, the editorial team at Book of the Month reads through hundreds of new titles. They do the curating for you. They narrow it down to five to seven of the best new books on the market, and you get to choose your Book of the Month. To sign up, just visit bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can get your first book for just $9.99 by using the offer code CHIRP, C-H-I-R-P. I should add that Book of the Month recently launched curated audiobooks in addition to hardcovers, so members have options. You can choose one or the other, either the hardcover edition or the audiobook. And if you pick the audiobook, you can download it and listen to it right there in the Book of the Month app. My latest pick is a novel called Anita DeMonte Laughs Last by Sochil Gonzalez. It tells the story of a forgotten art star of the 1980s who died tragically and whose life and work and memory are later unearthed by an art history student. This is right up my alley. I can't wait to read it. So if you want to sign up for Book of the Month, remember, go to bookofthemonth.com and for a limited time, Get your first book for just $9.99 by using the code CHIRP, C-H-I-R-P. One more time, that's bookofthemonth.com. Use the code CHIRP and get reading. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello. Welcome to the program. This is the Other People Podcast. I'm Brad Listy here in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. Hope you're doing okay. Hope you survived the first week of 2024. I have a flashback episode for you today. Flashback episodes happen every Friday. I dig into the other people archives and share outtakes from older episodes. Today we will be revisiting episode 507, my conversation with Azarine Vanderfleet Ulumi. She is the author of three novels, Frock Healer, Call Me Zebra, and most recently, a book called Savage Tongues. Azarine was a National Book Foundation 5 Under 35 honoree and is the recipient of the Penn Faulkner Award and a Whiting Award. Her work has appeared in a variety of publications, including the Paris Review, Guernica, and Granta. A flashback to episode 507, my conversation with Azarine Vanderfleet Alumi, is coming up momentarily. Don't forget to subscribe to The Other People Show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube, follow the show on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. 
You can subscribe for free to my weekly email newsletter over at bradlisty.substack.com. And if you love this show, if you listen regularly, you can join the Other People Patreon community at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Help keep this show going into the future. Today's episode is brought to you by Tin House, publisher of the novel Nonfiction by Julie Meyerson. Nonfiction is the official January pick of the Other People Book Club. It is an unflinching account of a mother, daughter, wife, and author reckoning with the world around her. It is a novel that explores maternal love as an emotional foundation to both crave and fear. This is a hauntingly beautiful, gripping, deeply moving book. It is a love letter from a mother to a daughter, a tale of damage and addiction, recovery and creativity, compassion and love. I tore through it. Again, it's a novel called Nonfiction by Julie Meyerson, available right now from Tin House. Okay, so today we have a flashback to episode 507, my conversation with Azarine Vanderfleet Lumi. It first aired on March 7th, 2018. A reminder that all episodes of The Other People Show are available to listeners. So if you like what you hear in this outtake and you want to go in for the full episode with Azarine, just look for 507, episode 507 in the feed. It is there waiting for you. All right. So here I am talking with Azarine Vanderfleet Ulumi back in March of 2018. Well, I wish it were a linear story that I could iron out for you in, in just a 60 second thing, but really we moved around a lot and often would kind of um, leave a place and then go back to it months or years later. So kind of broadly speaking, I grew up in the Middle East, in Tehran, in the Emirates, in Dubai, in Sharjah, and then um, we spent some time in Scotland, so I don't remember much, and in Singapore, and then I moved... Um, How old were you? Like, you're in Scotland at what age? Scotland, I was a toddler, so I don't remember much of it. And in the Emirates, I was, I think it was first grade. So I do have lots of uh, good memories of being there. And my father lived there sort of back and forth. Later on, I got to visit uh, Dubai as a teenager and, and sort of in my 20s again. And it's just completely different from what I remember it as a child. Yeah, Dubai's changed a lot. A lot, a lot. So I sort of remember it being this vast open landscape. And now it sort of has this very Vegasy quality. Right. You know, it's, it's amazing different. the amount of money they've spent. Yeah. Like it's a kind of spare no expense. Like we're going to build it like a ski mountain in a mall. Right. Like and I went and saw the ski mountain. It's kind of bizarre. Did you ski? No, oh. I'm always the spectator. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to ski in a mall. No, it was more entertaining to watch people ski inside of a glass cage. Like wearing know? like uh, Dolce and Gabbana. Yeah, probably. Right? And you know, Yeah really like dressed up for the snow, but really it was 110 degrees outside. That's so weird. It was bizarre. Okay. So Scotland, the Emirates. Yeah. And then Sp Spain was a big point of reference because my family um, moved there after the revolution in Tehran. And that was kind of a place that we always returned to between 
transitional phases. And um, it was also like a very remote area of Spain, sort of on, on the coast in Valencia. And where else did we live? In L.A. briefly. Reno, Nevada. Tarantulas is what they call it. Tarantulas, yeah. yeah. And then... You lived in Reno? I lived in Reno, yeah. Oh. When we first came back to the States to kind of put down roots here, we landed in Reno, Nevada, and it was... Why did you land in Reno? A kind of a tragic landing. Um, we landed there because my mom had spent some time in India a couple years before that at an ashram and had met a Persian family there that she became very close to. And they're still great friends. And they lived in Reno. And so, you know, you sort of, when you're drifting around the world, you gravitate to where you have anchors and sure. family friends. So they were kind of the reason why we moved out there. And they were a great source of support, but Reno was just So your mom lived on much. an ashram? She didn't live at an ashram. She just sort of went to an ashram for... Like for a retreat. A retreat. What, like a Hindu or a Buddhist or what is it? Um, it was the Sai Baba ashram in oh, India. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you know about Sai Baba? Yeah. But yeah. I'm trying to figure out where, because I'm sort of Buddhist or, you know, like I'm fascinated by that. And I think I read a book by Michelle Goldberg about like the history of yoga. Mm. Maybe that was it. I'm, I don't I, know it. This is another thing. I think, were we talking on the air before, but it was about uh, how well read you are. Just whatever we were just talking about. I think we were on air. Yeah. I can't remember anything. <laughs> I can't remember what I read. I can't remember what just happened, but I read this book and liked it. And it was all about, oh God, I want to say it was the Michelle Goldberg history of yoga book. And what's the, what is that like mystical religious movement founded by that lady in New York? Like that old woman, and she was sort of like a gypsy. The one where they don't eat and they just feed on light? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know which one. It was like a blend about. of all the worlds. You know, it was kind of like this movement where it was like, we're going to blend all the world's religions. There's really only one, you know. Anyway. Well, that's interesting. I don't know anything I'm, about it. I'm, you probably do. I'm just paraphrasing it so badly. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've no. Led you so far afield. So your mom goes to Sai Baba's. Uh, ashram mm -hmm. and uh sai baba is like uh like you know genuinely like magical at least as i've i've read depictions if i'm thinking of the same thing like capable of like you know touching people and like knowing who they are and, like, and healing them yeah and, that's that's the narrative i don't really know much about sai baba myself i mean i used to kind of go with her to meditate and you know do things that you do with your mom as a child but I, you know, I never, I went to I the went, mall yeah. with my mom. <laughs> well, I did that too. I also went to the mall <laughs> and I actually went to India when in my twenties and didn't really go to Sai Baba's ashram. It just wasn't something I was interested in. I sort of. Sai Baba's dead, right? He's dead now. Yeah. He okay. passed away. Yeah. But that, so, but the, the ashram lives on. The ashram lives on. Yeah. I think it's pretty healthy and the community is, you know, carrying on his legacy in a way. But again, it's not something I'm actually invested in and my mom isn't either. It was just sort of a moment in her life and went to the and, ashram. Yeah, she went to the ashram. We were in Singapore with my dad and we were, you know, doing fun things like doing our laundry in the bathtub and mixing it up with the 
with a broom. I just remember doing things like that, playing with marbles, and my mom was meditating. And cool. Then she came back. <laughs> See, this is the thing. Like, you've had, I mean, it's a difficult childhood in a lot of ways because you guys were sort of on the move all the time. Right. Uprooted from the land of your birth and mm -hmm. difficult circumstances. Um, but you had this international childhood and this mix of experiences that's a hell of an education mm -hmm. experientially that's mm -hmm. hard for i think most people to fathom it's very unique like do you feel grateful for that like now i mean is it is there gratitude is that the wrong word for such a you know it's it's difficult circumstances but it's also i don't know i find myself sort of envying the ability you know the ability yeah. to sort of mix into all these different places and draw on these experiences and uh. yeah I, I mean i think i don't know if grateful is the right word i'm definitely grateful for having seen so much you know th things that were extraordinary difficult to witness or very painful to experience and like, also like what? really joyful i mean so many things for, for one thing i'm actually a U I was born in the u.s and but we left pretty immediately so i kind of returned to the country as an immigrant slash citizen which is already a very strange experience and growing up um in tehran for example there were things about uh just being a woman in that culture and being a body that was policed or surveilled heavily and navigating my family's cultural legacy uh, before the revolution, while also feeling really sympathetic to the way that the country was trying to rebuild its own identity and establish a sense of autonomy in the world, which I think is a worthwhile project, given the kind of, you know, cultural and ideological imperialism that we live in. So that was challenging, um, sort of seeing some things eye to eye with my family and others disagreeing with them completely. And then coming back to the States as, as immigrants, we had a lot of really challenging experiences, you know, that are, I guess, in some ways, pretty typical. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, yeah. Just assimilating. Well, I don't know if I've really assimilated. I don't really believe in, in the narrative of assimilation entirely. Okay. I think that you sort of find aspects of the culture that you can adapt or adopt and ways to also push back against the ways that the culture tries to act on you and create narratives for you that could pigeonhole you in really negative ways, or at least hinder your progress. 
So I think it's sort of a learning to become an integrated person and learning to become an adult. You sort of figure out which needs of yours can be met by a certain, you know, aspect of a culture and which ones are always going to be frustrated by it and kind of make your peace with that and choose your battles wisely. And, and in terms of like having a sense of uh, your own identity, like what, what do you can, do you consider yourself Iranian? Do you consider yourself American? Like, do you have, do you consider yourself such things? Like, that's a really great question. I consider myself in some ways as a transnational person who's sort of from nowhere. And at the same time, you know, I was just talking to my, uh, editor about this, that in the process of writing the book, I was able to lay claim to these places in my own really idiosyncratic way. And I feel I can very comfortably say I'm from all of those places at the same time. And there, there are a lot of contradictions between these cultures, sort of going from Iran to Spain, and then from Spain to the States. There are ways in which you can't consolidate the stories. You can't consolidate parts of your identity, right? And there are always going to be these kinds of fissures and gaps. And at some point, it's just, you know, like playing Tetris. Not all the pieces are going to land squarely, but that's the picture and that's fine. I feel like it would be hard, like having moved around as much as you have, to pick like, like, mm-hmm. like, do you know what I'm saying? Having lived in all these places, just like you say, you can, you can comfortably say, I feel like I'm from all of these places. And mm-hmm. so then in a way you're not from anywhere. Yeah. You know, and that's true. I mean, I always feel like I'm on the outside looking in and that's true whether I'm in Spain and I don't really get the chance to go back to Iran. So that's a very interesting sort of obstacle that probably in many ways distorts my relationship to that space and those memories and feeds a lot of nostalgia for when's the last time you were in iran i was i think 12 when we left and i haven't been back since and you can't go back like you're like can't you get like a you have to apply for i could get sponsored to go back but given what i do it's, you know, a risk that I'm not necessarily willing to take at this moment. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how many languages do you speak? Hmm. <laughs> I speak, let's see, five-ish. 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 But like fluent in English. Fluent in English, Farsi conversational. Farsi is a very complex language, so I can, I can say, you know, conversationally, I have native fluency and Spanish and then Italian, and then Catalan, which I was pretty good at and is always in my ear, but I haven't been practicing it the last few years, so it's That's sort good, of though. atrophying. Five's good. You think? You should feel comfortable with five. I should let Catalan <laughs> just go? No. <laughs> just, yeah, just cross that one off. You're making me feel bad about myself. <laughs> I was considering learning Dutch since, you know, that's also part of my buried identity. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Vanderf- Vanderfleet. Right. Where is that? Where, where, tell me about that. That's Dutch. I don't know exactly from what part of Holland. And that, um, yeah, my, my dad is, he he comes from a family of Dutch sort of sea captain types who all they all went off to sea at a pretty young age but 
he actually, his mother is Scottish, his father is Dutch, and he grew up in the East End of London. And then at 14, he didn't necessarily know his father very well, but he decided to go off to sea as well. And like, that's and what he did. It's you, in his blood. Have yeah. you ever had the urge to go off to sea? Yeah, I do. I, what, you know, when I'm looking at the ocean, I feel this huge sort of gravitational pull. But it, I think writing does that for me. Ah. It's kind of like allowing myself to just be at sea. When I, like, I'm, I was just thinking, like, when I'm staring at the ocean here in Los Angeles, like off the coast, you know, I'm always just like, it's filthy. There's a lot of stuff in there. It's like makes me sad. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm like really my, sad, my kids yeah. are waiting and I'm like, is there oil? Like, is yeah, there petrochemicals? I, Absolutely. I think about that so often living in Indiana. I love the lake, Lake Michigan, but then I also really worry because there's all these nuclear plants and chemical plants all over there. Have you been to the, the dunes up in like Port? Yeah. Is it Portage, Indiana? Where is it? I forget there are dunes all over. Yeah. In Portage, there are the Warren dunes, which are just gorgeous. I oh. mean, spectacular. And then the farther up you go in Michigan, the the more pristine and bluer the water i'm going up there this summer oh that should be great a bit, yeah. like a big family vacation nice. we're gonna go up like way north in michigan nice i'm excited That's great. about it yeah it's good are you there. going to picture rock or no i forget it's like up in like near traverse city or something okay but yeah, I, I haven't uh, been to traverse city but i hear good things i like the the upper midwest in summer it is beautiful it's very charming and the landscape actually really reminds me of the Caspian growing up in the north as a child in Iran. So I sort of am, am you know, enamored it, by it because it's... It, it evokes something. Yeah, it evokes something for me, just that kind of humongous inland sea. It's, it has its magic. That's great. And yeah. so, you're, so your dad's Dutch. Right. He sets off to... He goes off to sea. What does that mean? That means he actually went to nautical school and, you know, was on dry land probably once a year for a couple of weeks for the next 17 years of his life or so. And yeah. when, does he, when does he meet your mom? He met my mom in the 70s in Tehran. He, he got tuberculosis at some point because he was working for the British India Steam Navigation Company and he wasn't allowed to be on ships in the same way because, you know, they're always in close quarters. And once you have yeah. TB, blah, oh, right. blah, blah, So, yeah, basically he, uh, he started to kind of work on dry land, but always in relation to, you know, ships, offshore drilling, whatever it was he could do to be near the water. And that's how he ended up in Tehran. He was kind of launching his own business. But, of course, the revolution happened. It'll put and a damper on launching a business, right? Yeah, and he was actually, I think, not allowed out of the country for a good six to eight months and questioned often and eventually was let go. But And he had met your mom by that point? Yeah, they had already met. And so, and you said earlier that you were born in the States. I was born in the States. So yeah. you were conceived in Tehran? No, because they left, I think it was in 79 that they left. Okay. And I was born in 83. Okay. So you were not conceived in Toronto. I don't know where I was conceived. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting question. Yeah. I'm sure they don't know uh, either. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some country. Somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, okay. In so transit. Th but then you, they, they happened to be, like, was it, was it on purpose that they came to the States to, to have you so that you could be an American citizen? Or was it just like they happened to be here when you were, I mean... No, no, that, that's actually true. My mom was uh, very, 
very smart. She she came here and gave birth to me. All right, that was Azarine van der Fleetalumi in episode 507. It first aired on March 7th, 2018. A reminder that the full episode, episode 507, is available in the feed, so if you like what you just heard and you want to go in for the full hour with Azarine, just look for episode 507. It is there, as are all episodes of this program. You can find Azarine van der Fleetalumi on the internet at azarinevanderfleetalumi.com. She is also, I believe, on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to The Other People Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just hit the subscribe button. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow the show on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. You can subscribe to my weekly email newsletter over at bradlisty.substack.com. It's free. And if you love this show, if you like what I'm doing and you want to support it, join the Other People Patreon community over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. If you have a couple of minutes and you want to do me a quick favor, please give this show a rating and write a little review if that's an option wherever you listen. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, rate The Other People Show, review The Other People Show. It helps listeners find this podcast. If you want to get another people t-shirt or a sweatshirt, you can do that at the show's official website, otherppl.com. And finally, a quick plug for my latest book. It is a novel called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything, available now in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook editions. I narrate the audiobook, so I'll read it to you. How does that sound? It's called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. It's a novel. It's out there. Okay, so that is it for today. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Have an enjoyable weekend. And I will be back on Sunday with a brand new episode, a conversation with a writer as yet undetermined. I mean, I know who it's going to be, but I'm not prepared to commit because it isn't in the can yet. I get superstitious. So I'm just going to say it's TBD. There should be an episode on Sunday, but I'm just getting things rolling here in 2024. Bear with me. Stay tuned.